Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi there, everyone. Mickey D here from Scorpions, ex-Motorhead, Dockin, King Diamond. You are listening to Talking Metal. Stay tuned and you're going to hear some real heavy stuff. Hey, headbangers, this is Rudy Sarzo, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and before we get into the episode, you know what we're going to do. We're going to thank the people who make this episode happen. They are the patrons on my Patreon page, and man, I wish you guys out there who are not on this team would join the team, because we are going for 100 people. When we get there, we will produce a weekly video show, highly produced. It's not going to be me talking into my iPhone or some nonsense. It's going to be a real cool looking talking metal show. So let's uh, let's get there. Join these guys for as little as $2 a month. You get a bonus podcast every week. If you do $5 a month, I will also mail you out a talking metal t-shirt. Just got a new supply of those in, so they are ready to rock. If you don't want to do Patreon, you can just buy a t-shirt outright for 15 bucks if you live in the United States, 20 if you don't live in the United States. But of course, listen, you could just do one month. I mean, it would be kind of lame because I would lose money on it. But if you do $5 for one month on Patreon, I will send you a shirt. I hope you stay with me for longer than a month. But seriously, that you could do that. You would get the shirt. Um, again, we do like people to stay with us a little longer than that. It usually takes me three months to at least break even on those shirts when you join me on Patreon. Anyways, let's do this. Great guest today and great people on Patreon supporting me with every step I make here on the Talking Metal Podcast. These people are the upper tier folks. The strong arm of Patreon is Andrew Miller, Brad Dahl, Chris Riley, Dan Gurwan, Denny Striegel, Jerry from Salt Lake City, Matt Carroll, Mike Jones, Steve Hoker, and Steven Saylor, the upper tier the strong men of Patreon. You know what? We have like 44 people on Patreon, not one female. Crazy. It'd be great to get a couple females joining us on the Patreon team. All uh, right. And the rest of the Patreon folks, David Gray, Drake, Fred Roots, Glenn Watson, Huckney Jacobson, James Bennett, Jason Seth, Gene Eugene DX, Jeremy Weltman, Joe Ryan, John Simpson, Mario Charance, Metal Dan, Michael Street, Sam Soupy, Sean Richmond, Stephen Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Victor Guzman, 
Anthony Mackie, Ed Ferguson, Jerry from Long Island, Gregory Muse, Jean-Francois Blas, Johan Erdstrom, John Barron, John Bouvoiri, Kenny McCrimmon, Leo from Alaska, Patrick Sabin, Ron Keel, and Blue Walsh 21. Thank you guys. You rock. Now, let's get into the episode. All right, guys, I'm keeping this episode tight because we have two great interviews. I truly enjoyed these interviews. And I will admit, I went into the Rudy Sarzo one, not really having any questions written. I kind of just, uh, it was a crazy day and I just had to wing that one. But I think it turned out great. Rudy is here to talk about Dio. Mickey D is here to talk about Motorhead. So two subjects I know we all love tremendously. So thanks to both those guys for joining me and for great conversation. I did want to mention just one more time that Amazon links are no longer working. So there you go. I don't know. It's a long story, but I apparently violated the terms. I'm not sure what I did since I've done nothing differently than I've been doing for the past decade with my Amazon links. But uh, something they they found a little snag in something I was doing and decided to cut me off of the uh, $50 a month I used to get from them on average from you great supporters using those Amazon links. So I'm going to tell you today, don't use the Amazon links (laughs) that are up on my site because I'm going to have to pay my site person to come in and take those links down. And yeah, what, what a bunch of BS, man. So don't use the Amazon links. Support me on Patreon. That's the best way to do it. And let's talk about things. Uh, man, we lost another metalhead. I feel like we're losing so many of our favorite rockers from the band Entombed. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Lars Goran Petrov has has left us. And man, sad news. Uh, I was a, a fan of Entombed. I really, really dug their stuff. And a lot of rockers from you know Jamie Josta to Michael Ahmet from Arch Enemy all reaching out with... Uh, memories of him and condolences and sad stuff for sure I know he had been I believe battling cancer right so sad sad day for entombed fans Tom Morello has launched a podcast that you can get through the Sirius XM app just checking that out pretty cool pretty cool I was digging it you know first couple episodes up seemed all right John Bush still wants to embark on a solo tour celebrating his era of anthrax. That would be interesting. I'd dig that. I would I would definitely check that out, like in a smaller club. That would be fun. Queensryche's ex-singer, Jeff Tate, has released some new music for Sweet Oblivion. I loved the Sweet Oblivion record from 2019. I haven't had a chance to check out the new one yet, but I'm going to probably right after I finish recording this. So some metal news for you. Uh, Also, Cobra Kai star Tanner Buchanan uh, is a progressive death metal guy, and he was in a band that played a bunch of Gojira covers. He is the kid who played Robbie, you know, um, Robbie Keane on the Netflix show Cobra Kai, which my wife and I and my, my one son Grant are enjoying that show. Fun stuff. 
So without further ado, my dogs have started fighting in the background, so I'm going to throw over to Mickey D here on the Talking Metal Podcast, my interview with Mickey D. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we are welcoming back to Talking Metal a true legend, drummer Mickey D. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm in Germany. I'm uh, in my hotel room. I've been here for for a week in quarantine. Uh, not that I'm sick, but we have to sit for a week here uh, when we come in from different countries like Sweden and stuff. So I'm done with the quarantine tomorrow and ready to go back to the studio and start working. Awesome. Cool. And I would suspect that is with Scorpions, right? That's you're going to be doing. Music. Oh, yes. Yeah. Cool. So I spoke with Klaus uh, maybe three, four months ago, and he was telling me that this new music was really kind of going back to that classic Scorpion sound of the late 70s, early 80s. Do you agree with that? And can you give us a little update on what's going on with the band? Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of different factors uh, that are different for this record because i mean to begin with we record this one live all together wow which cool. uh, i don't know when scorpions did last time and uh, we did we did the last motorhead record live bad magic and it did make a big difference and uh, i think it did now as well and you know it's just a different vibe when you play all together the song from top to bottom and and it was just, uh, yeah, it gets gets rougher and 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 better sounding and and just a, a different vibe overall. So right there, it's it, it's different. And you know, I hear musicians talk about that, and I would think that there's an energy in the room that feeds into the music, as opposed to you know guys on the internet pa- passing around files and cutting and pasting stuff together on their own. I would think when you're all together as a unit, that you feel that energy in the music. Is that a true statement? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's very very different, and uh, I mean, here we play as a band and. That that makes a huge difference from, yeah, from if you're gonna put drums down and bass and you know add on. So, but we worked really hard all all of the 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 fall of 2020 on on this stuff, and uh, I'm here back again to just uh, tie up a couple of small things and maybe record a few more bonus bonus tracks, if you will, and. Uh, yeah, and the album uh, is already starting to be mixed, so it's going to be very interesting to uh, hear the finished product. I cannot wait. Um, I saw you guys last time was at Madison Square Garden in New York City. I mean, what a night that was. Right. So much fun, and we need you guys back. We need our concerts back, and I tell you, one of the first concerts I want to see is Scorpions. I mean, you got to get back to New York and New Jersey. We need you so bad. That was a great show. I remember it. You know, it was so much fun. And for me, too, to I haven't really done a, a full-blown U.S. tour yet with, with Scorpions. We've done a lot of shows, but it's been kind of a few here and there. We, we need to do a proper American tour. And uh, to come back to New York, which I love to play, 
ever since the old King Diamond days. You know, it's it's something special. So it, it was great. It was magic that night for sure. Yeah, that was a very special night and headlining the garden. It doesn't get any better than that. Anyways, we are primarily here to talk about Motorhead, a band that you mm-hmm. were a part of for a long time. I think 12, 12 studio albums, 13, if you include March or Die, which I know you had one song on that, Hellraiser. Right. But let's let's talk about what's coming out, because this is very cool for all the hardcore Motorhead fans like myself. We have a concert, Motorhead. Louder Than Noise, live in Berlin. And this is going to be released April 23rd. It sounds like it's a a CD along with a DVD. Uh, I guess you can get vinyl for it too. It's going to be on all the streaming platforms. So again, this is a 2012 concert that was recorded in Germany. Do you have specific memories? I know Motorhead played so many shows. Do you actually remember playing this show? Yes, I do. Because... This song, this song, I mean, this show was a little special because of the fact that we headlined a very, very big arena for being Motorhead. Um, we did so many shows in Germany. We could do 20, 22 shows. So wow. we, we usually played a, a, a little smaller type of venue. But here we sold out this uh, massive arena, which was great. And uh, I remember it was... Uh, special night that night for sure and now looking back to the set list when we were talking about using this show uh i saw a great set list because we we play a lot of songs that we didn't really play much either before or after so i I think it's a great great mix of songs definitely Right. What are some of those songs that are maybe a little bit more rare to find in the Motorhead set that we would hear on the Louder Than Noise uh, CD and and DVD? I don't have the set list in front of me now, but I I just remember it was was a lot of songs that I go, oh, shit, we played that one and we played this one. And and that I don't really remember what exactly we did play before I saw the set list, but... It surprised me. And then we recorded a lot of songs usually. I mean, uh, shows over the years, but this one was uh, a little special. And we have we have more material from different countries, different cities. And and we just decided this Berlin show was uh, top notch, really. So, you know, it's going to be exciting to have it mixed and done. I mean, it is mixed and done and it sounds great, you know. Yeah, there is a music video out there for the song Over the Top from from this performance. Again, it is Louder Than Noise, live in Berlin by Motorhead. It's coming out in April. And the crowd, like you said, it's just the energy on the coming off the crowd just seems so intense. The the song looks, it sounds great. It looks like it's a multi-camera shoot. And you guys really did a great job with the, the video production on it. Um, will the bonus DVD be the full concert? Is that what it is? Do you know that? I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, but to let you know, I mean, we did not record this one for a purpose, uh, as, as of this, like, uh, in, in the, to, to make a, I don't know why we actually recorded it. It was just a special show and, and, uh, we have plenty of these to tell you the truth. And really, wow. It, yeah, but but this one was uh, sounding really good. We did, I know Camera Web had to to mix it, and 
fix it up a little bit and, and it turned out great. So, and it was great energy. It was a great show to begin with. So. Absolutely. And again, we're talking with Mickey D of Scorpions and of course of Motorhead and the release is louder than noise live in Berlin. It comes out April 23rd by Silver Lining Music here in the States. And it is going to be awesome. I am so excited to watch this and own this and stream this and everything else. And speaking of Motorhead, we spoke with Phil Campbell not too long ago here on on Talking Metal. Do you have much contact with Phil these days? Yeah, we talk we talk frequently and especially now when when there's something coming out like this we we have to make a lot of decisions. Uh unfortunately it's just me and Phil left to to make these decisions but we talk generally, you know, we frequently with with, with each other what's going on and so on, you know. I mean, we're still family and we're going to stay family forever, so it's 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 great to hear what he's up to. And when you guys are talking about releasing something like this DVD, um, which I think Lemmy personally would be really proud of, or, or any of the Motorhead products or just putting the Motorhead name on something, do you and Phil, I would imagine you you take into consideration what Lemmy would have wanted and, and is his uh, kind of presence in a weird way a part of the decision making process? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, after playing so long together and I knew Lemmy for 34 years and played with him almost 25. So, of course, Lemmy is always in the back of our head when when we make decisions or, uh, you know, do anything with Motorhead. We, we have a big responsibility to carry on the Motorhead name and legend, you know, so def- definitely. But, you know. You just said it pretty perfect there with, with the fact that we like to, there's a big demand out there for still Motorhead stuff, Motorhead, uh, new material, uh, merchandise. I mean, it's amazing how this band, you know, it's five years ago, Lemmy passed away and, and the demand is even bigger now. People are hungry for Motorhead. So it feels great to to be able to offer something like this you know like come out with a new something new material especially live so i i think uh yeah it it just feels good to to move the name ahead and and look i i haven't done anything else for the last couple of days than doing press about motorhead which is quite bizarre because we don't really exist anymore but we are in in another way you know we want to keep the legend and we want to continue giving our fans uh, a gift, if you will, with, with, with these kind of uh, products, you know? Yeah. And you make new fans too, because you keep that, that name out there, you keep it in, in the, in the press out on the internet and on podcasts like this. And I, I think there are younger, believe it or not, there are younger kids who could be just discovering motorhead for the first time. And that's an amazing thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I get a lot of messages about from younger generations that, uh, you know, a lot of people missed to go and see us live. And, and some of these uh, DVDs and, and live shows that you can see uh, has been out there for a while. So it's very exciting to to get something like this put on the market, you know, and, and 
some 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 people see this as wow you know you guys are really just fishing for money here but there's really not a lot of money in this this is more of a a gift and and to continue the legend of motorhead and and as i said we we do it press and we're being on the forefront again which is great so you know we give people an option to to uh enjoy this or not enjoy it it's up to them yeah right and is there unreleased studio material by motorhead in the vaults anywhere that that could surface or has everything been put out at this point uh yeah good question i'm sure that there is some stuff uh, recorded I, I i can almost guarantee you that we have something out there that that has not been released but what exactly it is i don't know and there's probably a reason why we haven't released it. So, you know, it okay. has to be, has to be good or it probably, we probably just left it. I, I don't know. I, I have to hear it, but I could be surprised. I mean, we, most of the time when we made a record, we, we really, really wanted to get that album done and get back on the road again. And, and uh, so I, I don't think there's a lot, but it could be a few things. Right on. And like I mentioned earlier, you played on 12 Motorhead studio albums, 13 if you count, you know, March or Die from 1982. You played on really the most popular song on the record, Hellraiser. Uh, Out of those albums, are there certain ones or maybe one certain one that is your absolute favorite? No, not really, really, because each record represents a a certain time for us. And, uh, I, I can't really say that any record is is better than the other. I mean, I, I just think that since Cameron Webb came in on the Inferno, we made a tremendous step forward, sound-wise, and uh, and and we found Cameron. He 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 he's a family member. I keep talking about family members, and and that's what we were—one big fat family with a crew and people all around us that work close to us. And Cameron is one of these guys and he took us to a little different level. So yeah, maybe those last five, six records have are very, very special. And then I go back and listen to the one that Howard Benson did, the bastard sacrifice overnight sensation, uh, snake bite love. And, and, these are great albums. Bastard is one of my favorites, maybe, you know. And so it, it, they all represent a certain era of Motorhead. And I, I, I like them all equally, pretty much, you know. I just know maybe a record like Snake Bite and Hammered, we could have used a little bit more time. I remember we were pretty pressed on time for these two records. Not that they came out bad or anything, but we could have used, especially for Hammered, because it was pretty tough days in in America. It was when the 9-11 shit was going on. Right, right. uh, The mood in general was was, uh, pretty rough. Uh, And and we could have maybe worked a little bit more on, on certain songs on that record. Right on. So many great records. You mentioned Overnight Sensation. It's amazing to me that that is having its 25th anniversary this year, uh, 2021, the 25th anniversary of Overnight Sensation by Motorhead, uh, one of my favorites. Go ahead. Yeah. And it's funny because 
that kind of created some head, headlines recently when, you know, I, I don't appreciate that really with when the press takes a, a headline out of a, a, a full conversation, for instance, you know, I think I saw on Blabbermouth and on some of these rock sites that Mickey D reveals that me and Lemmy or Motorhead, we were fighting a lot, especially for that record. And that is not true at all. What my point was that we had, we had arguments and discussions in such a fantastic way because of the respect for each other that we had healthy arguments and discussions over, over certain things that just united us even more than than we were earlier, if you will, you know. And any band that played for 40 years, of course, gonna have discussions and 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 arguments, but it was just on such perfect terms, nothing under the belt and and that just made us stronger all the time because I remember on Overnight Sensation that let me wanted to use a little bit more acoustic guitar on, on a couple of songs. And me and Phil were against that. And later on, Lemmy totally agreed with us that, yeah, you were right. You know, the, it's better not to use uh, to use that. And if we had discussions about that, it could get hot, but it was just with such a respect and, and passion. And such, I would think you guys had such passion for what you were doing that it would yes. be if there weren't intense discussions about the art and music you were creating, that would show that you, you just didn't have that passion. But I think that's a beautiful exactly. thing. And I think it also shows how you guys were all contributing together because sometimes we hear about bands where one person is more prominent than the other, but, he, but here's, you know, three people you know all contributing their ideas and having this common goal of of just putting out the best stuff that they can exactly and, and that was my point in, in in this whole deal and then you see headlines going mickey d reveals uh <laughs> we were fighting with lemmy and lemmy was a you know, we were arguing and motorhead was fighting and that that's not the deal at all if you read further down or listen to the whole thing right this on. is my point i was trying to get out that this is what made us three such a unity that we could discuss and argue and and it was just under such amazing uh, uh unwritten rules that that we we made for we made forward progress the whole time and it was just uh, healthy for us you know it was great Right on. Well, thank you for clarifying that. And yeah. speaking of anniversaries, we'll shift gears here just a little bit. And uh, I will let you go in a couple minutes. But I did want to mention the first time I ever saw you live, of course, was with King Diamond. And Ooh. this year, Fatal Portrait turning 35. Actually, it just turned 35 because Fatal Portrait was released February 17th, 1986. King Diamond's first solo record. Uh, how do you look back on that record 35 years later? Oh wow! Uh, I I only have positive things for that whole era we did. We were a bunch of young young boys that um, yeah uh, enjoyed it tremendously, and and especially with the success in America that we had, uh, we we took I would say merciful fate 
to a different level. We came out of the underground type of music and and created a, an amazing following in America and uh, especially in America. Even, I mean, around the world, but U.S. was definitely the biggest market for us. And Fatal Portrait was a, was a great record. And then King wrote fantastic lyrics and we played great music and we just uh, developed from there. It's amazing that it's 35 years ago, you know? Yeah. It's funny for me as a fan, that record had a rawness to it um, that I, I liked that I, I felt that the production and maybe even musically things kind of shifted after that record, but it just seemed like the perfect bridge between those merciful fate records and what was to come later out of, out of King diamond. But, uh, yeah, great memories for me. I saw you at the channel in Boston. Oh, on that the tour. channel. Yeah. That was a good show. We always did channel. Yeah. I mean, fatal portrait is a little bit less, uh, tricky if you compare it to Abigail and them in conspiracy, right? It's a, uh, it's a little more even record, more straight ahead stuff, but it, it worked really well. And I thought, uh, yeah, I think it's a great album actually. It is. Um, and it's held the test of time. I recently went back and listened to it. So good. Definitely. Well, I will let you go, Mickey. I do appreciate your time. Uh, we read that you actually came down with COVID-19, I guess a number of months back. You're feeling okay. Everything's all right with you. Oh yeah. That's one year exactly ago. It was, was it that March, long ago? Wow. Okay. March 20. And, uh, yes, I, I, I have to say me and my wife, we were, uh, we were very sick, uh, influenza sick, you know, but I, I've been even sicker. I think I had influenza one time before in my life. I was in Australia. Uh, that was with motorhead, uh, early, early, uh, yeah, a little while ago. And, and, uh, I was really, really sick at that time as well. And this time, yes, we, we got knocked out for a couple of weeks. And, and uh, after that, uh, I recovered. The more I was playing ice hockey and being outside and being busy, uh, the better I felt the next day, basically. So Good. I just went, went hard out to exercise lungs and my body was back in shape in, in a couple of weeks, uh, what, I, what I felt so. Yeah, definitely. And I'm full of antibodies. And now because of the travel we do, we have to do COVID tests the whole time here. So, you know, I I, I said to my doctor, you might as well let this uh, pin stick out of my nose and, and leave it there because right. I'll be You're back so used here. to the testing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm back but no here. lingering yeah. effects or anything like that, you know. No fog no, brain no, no. or nothing, none of that stuff. No, well, I, I guess, you know, we call it Corona brain, I guess, uh, as a joke. But if you forget stuff, but no, I, I feel fine. And and I'm ready to to go back out there and play. I can't wait to get back on yeah. the boat, you know. We, we want we want Scorpions back here in the States. I would love to have you guys at, at Madison Square Garden again. That was such a good memory for me. And listen, we wish you all the best of luck with everything you're up to. And please keep us posted on this new music by Scorpions. We cannot wait. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mickey D. And guys, remember, right. Motorhead, Louder Than Noise, live in Berlin, out in April. We'll have links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Thank you, Mickey. <laughs> Mickey D of Scorpions and, of course, Motorhead fame. So great to talk with Mickey again. He was on the show a few years back and great to speak with him again. 
So let's uh, do this. Let's get on with our next interview. I'm going to keep this show tight. I gave you a bonus episode on Friday. So this one is lean and mean with some interviews and not much else, but they are good interviews. Right now, we're going to talk with Rudy Sarzo, and then I'll come back and wrap things up here on Talking Metal. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and what an honor back on the show. Rudy Sarzo, I think the last time we met up, Rudy was in person in New York. I believe you were up here for the the Guess Who, and we met up at some hotel downtown. So anyways, great to see you this time on Zoom, hopefully next time in person. By the way, I like the poster behind you. I think I recognize that guy. Yeah, that's a, that's a hero <laughs> of mine, and I know uh, a friend of yours, and yeah, great stuff. And bandmate. <laughs> and bandmate, yes. Randy Rose. Randy Rose, yeah. With your, with your time in Ozzy Expand. And uh, Quiet Riot. We were together in Quiet Riot. Yes, and, and Quiet Riot, the uh, the Japanese albums. You, you both played on those, right? Were you on both well, those records? I, I was on the cover. You were on because, the cover. Yeah, because, well, well, you know. But, yeah, I didn't play on the record. I, I, I was on the cover. The uh, the uh, Kelly Garney, the, uh, the bass player, he was gone way way after i i joined the band as a matter of fact I, w- I was the last guy to audition for the band right on right on <laughs> and went on to have uh be a part of the classic lineup of of quiet riot and yeah a lot of great memories of that band and uh, man i've seen you so many times with with white snake and and i think quiet riot you guys did a, like a reunion with of that classic lineup in 2002 i think is the last time i saw you in that uh band in phoebe kings in new york yes City. i don't know if you yes. that, but yeah we were together from 97 in the reunion version until 2003 right yeah. on right on and what a history let's talk about a certain part of your history today we are talking mm-hmm. about your time with ronnie james dio the legendary vocalist and songwriter and you were a part of the new holy diver live album which was recorded at the London Astoria and all the great Dio hits and Black Sabbath and Rainbow Classics are a part of it. And this, uh, when, when did this concert take place, Rudy? Do you know? Yeah, very interesting, this, uh, this whole concert, because um, how it started was that we were going to do a whole month in Russia. We started touring in Russia and uh, we had our own plane. We were flying from city to city. And then by the time we were done in Russia and the band, of course, included the, the, all the musicians on the record, Holy Diver Live. It, but with the difference is that uh, Doug Aldridge was not the uh, guitar player during the, the, the Russian leg of the, uh, of the tour. Uh, Craig Goldie, our guitar player, had to go back to LA to take care of some personal issues. And then Doug came in. So Doug was with us for about two or three weeks before we did this this live DVD okay. at the Astoria. So Doug did an incredible job of coming in and like really picking it up where we left off. I mean, there was not a bad night in the transition of it. You know, it's such, you know both Craig and 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 uh, and Doug they're so such incredible you know world class musicians. You know. Absolutely. And it's funny because I saw you guys at the Beacon 
in New York in 2004. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you Four. remember that show. I think Anthrax yeah. opened up and that was mm-hmm. Craig Goldie was in at that time. Yes. That was that an was, incredible show. Yeah, it was an unforgettable evening. Uh, I believe Eddie Trunk in, uh, uh, introduced Ronnie. Sounds know. right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was the only American leg of the tour that that I did while I was a member of, of Dio from 2004 until he passed away. Right on. And can you talk about you coming into Ronnie's band, how that all came about? Do you remember jamming with him for the first time or conversations about you coming to join the band? Yeah, it was actually very organic. I got the call from Wendy Dio to come in and um, to record on Master of the Moon. And I happened to be on the road with Inve Malmsteen at the time. And uh, it was a short tour. It was the Attack Tour in, 19, uh, in 2004. Four, Attack okay. Tour. Yeah. And so I, I was committed. I, there was no way I was going to, like, you know, totally... Uh, Invade, listen, you know, I'm out of here. <laughs> I've never done that. I never yeah. will, you know. So I, 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 you know, I, I told Wendy that how much I, you know, uh, that's how disappointed I was that I wasn't going to get to record on, on the record. But, but after my commitments were done, if they still wanted me to join the band after the record was done, that, you know, I, I, I would love to, you know, and they did. They called me back. And that's when I joined the band in 2004. And we did that tour in mostly in America. And uh, uh, the last show of that tour that you're talking about, the 2004 uh, U.S. tour, was uh, Halloween of, uh, at the Greek Theater. A very unforgettable show. You know, both. the oh, It's always about, to me, you know, the highlights is L.A., New York, you know, but then again, there's some incredible shows in between. <laughs> right. And would that have been Ronnie's last concert as a solo artist? Because I know he went on then to Heaven and Hell, but I'm wondering if that was his last. Yes, yeah. in the United States. Okay. Great observation. Yes, that was his very last Dio concert. And what a way to go. It was magnificent. Beautiful night in, uh, in, in Los Angeles at the Greek Theater. Absolutely. And so it wasn't until 2004 that you started playing with Ronnie, but obviously you've had such a long career and incredible history. I'm sure you had run-ins with him. How well did you know him before joining the band? Well, we had done some festivals together. Like when, when I was in Whitesnake in 1990, we did some Monsters of Rock festivals across Europe together, Dio and Whitesnake. And, uh, but, you know, you really don't get to know somebody un- un- unless you're uh, until you're in the tour bus and traveling together. That's that's when you right. really get to know the person, you know. And it was magnificent. Not only do we add that I had that touring in the United States, but also in Europe and Scandinavia, Russia, like I mentioned a few times with Ronnie, South America, uh, Japan. Yeah, they were all unforgettable. And of course, we are talking about the new live, Holy Diver Live, that is, and which Rudy is, is holding up there. I don't I'm know. I'm holding up. It's, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I uh, unsealed it and in front of my wife. Like She was so incredibly uh, impressed about it. 
and uh, I'm very uh, touched that uh, I'm included in a couple of pictures in the, in the cover with, with Ronnie. You know, right? What, what I, you know, people ask me what what's the highlights of my of my career. I got to tell you, top three being on stage with Ronnie James Dio. You know, to stand right next to him every single night and just get be a fan and also be a bandmate at the same time and just i had the best seat of the house you know it's, right it was just incredible you know and 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 to and to play see it's different when when you, you know when you're on stage with ronnie you're feeling his energy you're listening to his storytelling he wrote all the lyrics so everything is very personal all the stories that are being told in the songs are very personal. So all I had to do is just close my eyes and be transported into the worlds, the landscapes that he created, you know, with his lyrics and his music. Yeah, what what a great songwriter. And was there ever any talk of you doing songwriting with him? Did you guys ever jam and do any writing on the bus while you were touring? Uh, touring on the bus, <laughs> you know, Usually, uh, especially when we were in Europe and you know Scandinavia, uh, all of that, all those territories, it's the band and 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 the crew together. You know, those buses that right. they are they're made for for larger. Uh, you know, it would be like double decker buses, and the top, the whole top, would be bunks. Where everybody, you know, lived there basically, and uh, so the, it, it was, you know, it was basically you get long hauls because we're talking about country to country, you know. So it wasn't like touring in America where you have like maybe a four, three or four hour tour, uh, tour bus ride, and then you get to the hotel early in the morning and you got the whole afternoon to go in and, and write music. No, these were pretty long hauls, and uh, which socially it was great, you know. And I think Ronnie really likes, you know, used to like to go into his own home studio and work on the songs. It was fantastic, fantastic going over to his house because I, you know, I lived like maybe 15 minutes away from him and going there and he would like bring me into the studio and says, check this out. And, and he would like, he learned how to work Pro Tools very well. So he would play every instrument except for the drums, uh, Simon Wright, who lived with him program the drums you know but everything else was ronnie playing and of course singing and and he would play you back a song that you hoped would have wind up in a, on a deal record like he was working at the time he was working on magica two and three right yep but some of those songs wound up with uh with heaven and hell <laughs> okay okay i did so, not realize that yeah i i'm, I'm glad they did because we still we have them and um, we did one song, Electra, right. Electra, in the studio that was going to be part of two and three, and and that's all we got, you know, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it it was incredible. What what, what that's one of the things that really uh, resonated with me about about Ronnie was the fact that he, you know, piracy uh, lessened record sales. Uh, illegal downloads. He didn't care about that. He just cared about creating music, which is what that, that's the way you sh it should be. You know, right. making new new music. You know, creating songwriting, putting records out there. You know, uh, because you know, if 
when when we start writing music, we, we're just kids. We don't have a record deal. We're in our in our garage making this new music. We don't know if we if anybody else is going to listen to it, but but we're creating it, and that's the most important thing about it. Absolutely. Now you spent some time with the classic lineup of Ozzy solo band touring with again Randy Rhodes and and just a really golden era of Ozzy's career. We've heard in the press. Now I've asked Wendy Dio this and she disagreed and said that it was more of a press thing, but I want to get your opinion that there was a, a really a big rivalry between Ronnie James Dio and Ozzy Osbourne. Some articles saying, Oh, they didn't like each other, but uh, according to Wendy, that wasn't exactly true. What was your, what's your tilt on that? There was, was there a mutual respect there or was there kind of this rivalry between the yeah, two? If I did hear anything, it was never aimed towards Ronnie. It was aimed towards Black Sabbath. <laughs> right. Black Sabbath as Black Sabbath. Even because Ronnie was, was there for, for two records originally, initially, and then he came back for another record, yeah, Dehumanizer. But in right. between that, there were other singers, you know. But Black Sabbath as a band, you know, name remained the same, you know. As a matter of fact, I asked Ronnie about the song, oh, the king of rock and roll, right? Yes. And I'm going like, I go, who, who did you write the song about? And he said, Ozzy. Wow. Really? <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, uh, that's wild. I never, I never heard that. So very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So th it seems like possibly there was mutual respect between the two. I know there's one famous picture that, that circulates now and again, where you see the two of them post black Sabbath hanging out like backstage at a festival or something. So very cool that you've experienced time with both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Very different singers, but both of them incredible. You know, they are the uh, significant vocalists of of the two most successful uh, Black Sabbath eras, the, the Ozzy era and the Dio era. Right on, right on. And as far as other music goes at the moment, Rudy, what else is uh, on your plate? Uh, well, I just finished my toast, so yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm in a group called the Guess Who, we're just uh, waiting for the uh, things to settle a little bit so we can start doing shows again, yes, and uh, just having uh, I, I work on so many projects, I'm doing so many things musically, it seems like lockdown has, means that. I get more phone calls to do things than I used to at home, you know, because everybody else is locked down, you know, and I, I have my own radio show, Six Degrees of Sarzo, a Manchester rock radio. I do that every week, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, and on the weekdays, and, and just uh, having a great time, you know. Awesome. Cool. And again, thank you for all the great music you've given us through the years. I mean, you're always there for us with, with great music. And what a treat that this classic Dio concert is being released, the Holy Diver Live, uh, featuring you and Doug Aldridge and Simon Wright on drums, right? Simon Wright, Scott Warren on keyboards, yeah. And the one and only Ronnie James Dio. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And do you hear from Simon Wright much? 
yeah yeah oh yeah yeah we're, we're still you know i mean we're still best friends of course you know we're we're brothers deal brothers you know we will never you know that we'll, we'll never forget that and uh yeah he's just busy there i guess they're waiting uh, for things again to settle so they can go back out with the uh, deal disciples right on cool well rudy thank you so much for your time we appreciate it and may you stay safe and we can't wait to get you back here in new jersey or new york playing for us once again looking forward to it always a pleasure god bless you all right sir Rudy Sarzo, I believe his third time on the podcast, first time I interviewed him in a recording studio in New York when he was doing like rock and roll fantasy camp or something in New York City. Then I interviewed him in a hotel in downtown Manhattan when he was here with the Guess Who doing some press and this time via Zoom uh, here on Talking Metal. Great stuff. I'm a little sick of the Zoom interviews, but it is fun to see these guys on camera and talk with them and and see them. But looking forward to getting back to in-person interviews. If you haven't heard my Paul Stanley interview, it is available. Well, depending on when you're listening to this show, it is available this week on the Talking with Mark Striegel podcast. They requested it go out over that feed instead of Talking Metal because Paul was not talking about hard rock or heavy metal. He was talking about his uh, Soul Station album with me. But of course, we got some Kiss in there a little bit, you know, and spoke about Kiss songwriting and stuff like that. So there is some, some Kiss talk for sure in the interview. And it was a great chat. You can also see that on YouTube coming this Thursday and the Patreon people will get a look at that before anyone else. So there you go. Please join me on Patreon. We desperately need the help, the support to keep this thing rolling. Seriously. Um, We were growing each week with like one or two new people joining us on Patreon and that halted for some reason. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if we're tapped out. I can't help but believe there are more people out there who can afford $2 a month on Patreon and support what I do and get that bonus content. You get bonus videos, bonus podcasts, all sorts of stuff, depending on what tier you join. The $2 a month tier, you do get the bonus podcast I do each week with Victor Ruiz, which we call the Mark Striegel podcast, which people love. I mean, I have people tell me that's the best thing I do. So, and that's because I go off a little bit. It's like, I feel like it's a private party. It's a private room and I can say whatever the hell I want. And I've gotten in trouble for that too. (laughs) There you go. It's fun. Uh, I blow off some steam on the Patreon only podcast for sure. Let's do this. Let's wrap it. Let's say thank you to Mickey D and Rudy Sarzo. And thanks to everyone who listens on Patreon. Listen, if you can't afford $2 a month, you're that broke, you, you, which, listen, some of us are. One thing you can do is share this stuff on social media. Tag the person you heard in the interview. Let Rudy Sarzo or Mickey, nee, Mickey D know, oh, what a great interview you did on, on Talking Metal. Tag me. I'll, I'll follow you back. I'll, I'll retweet it. That's something that I really appreciate you doing on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, okay? So please, especially on Twitter, I'm really trying to build that that up, the Twitter thing. So thank you, and uh, yeah, talk to you next time.